Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Coming up today, we're talking to the very lovely Ben Smith about his 401 challenge and his upcoming USA challenge. We also have reactions to Pin Skin Man, some weird running accessories, and of course, the bullshit running news. Uh, get thinking about that theme tune, Amy. Um, before we get into this, uh, we've got a tea update. What are you drinking there out of your furry penis mug? Uh, yeah, I am drinking. I, I use this mug at work as well on uh, Teams meetings. And I, was, I caught a glimpse of myself. In, in my uh, in my webcam drinking it while in a meeting I thought yeah it does look like a furry penis and I hope no one yeah. no one uh, comments on it but out of my furry penis mug I am drinking chocolate digestive black tea and it's amazing get out from bird and blend again bird and blend if you want to sponsor us you know we wouldn't be opposed to that be very chocolate digestive chocolate digestive biscuits so it was my birthday um whenever it was my birthday last week i think it was i can't remember that i'm turning 30 my memory's going a bit time is um, irrelevant now but I, I had two boxes people know me quite well i had two boxes of uh, of tea from both from bird and blend and i've only tried this one and i've got birthday cake tea as well which is also amazing Aww. it's like quite almondy and stuff it's really good hmm. so yeah, that that's the tea. Good. But the tea today is chocolate digestives and it tastes really, really nice. Lovely. I'm on some peach cobbler, mm. which is very nice anyway. It's a black tea with peach. But um, what I've also done this week is started getting a proper milk bottle delivery to my house, which I haven't had in like 30 years. And so uh, we've got some whole milk. And I forgot about whole milk from a bottle is that bit of cream on top. Mm. I'd forgotten that was a thing. So there's this amazing big plug of cream on top of my uh, milk, which went into my peachy tea, peaches and cream. Perfect. Oh, wow. So I'm really happy about that. When I used to drink milk when I was was younger and we had a milk delivery, the idea of eating that skinny, that skin bit, like thing on top is disgusting. Oh, no, that's the best bit. No, no, That no, is the no. good shit. Yeah, I think it reminds me of rotten milk. That's why. You know when you've got, like, a rotten milk, you pour it out down the sink, yeah. and it's all, like, lumps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I realise I'm barking up the wrong tree talking about creamy milk to a vegan. Never mind. <laughs> Right. Um, first, before we crack on, we've got we've had a bit of feedback about virtual races and one that really kind of opened our eyes and was really a lovely email we had from Jane Jones. And she said, love your podcast. Have listened since you began. Always a good start. Thank you, Jane. On your latest episode, you talked about the Welsh Coast virtual run. Yeah, it's bullshit as you're not actually running it. Totally agree. And I agree. Expensive. However, for me personally, it's a massive thing. And yes, you guessed it. I'm doing it. But here's why. I run, and my husband, Alan, always encouraged me and came to all my races. My husband and I were planning to do the Welsh Coast Path, the whole 870 miles. I would run walk it with him crewing me. He had looked at the maps, and we planned on getting a van to sleep in. Sadly, this won't happen now, as I lost Alan suddenly in March this year. I thought my dream was over, but then this virtual run came up. I'm really happy to run with his name on my virtual bib. I know it's not the real thing, but for me, it's given me a purpose. Again, love your podcast, don't ever change it. Life in general is bullshit at times. Much love to you both, Jane. Oof. Yeah, that's that's heavy, Jane. That's like well done for like cracking yeah. on with the challenge, regardless. You know, in terms of yeah, you may not be able to do it actually out there, but doing it virtually is. I can understand why that's a step towards sort of honouring Alan's memory. And I'm really sorry to hear um, that you lost your husband. Not that yeah, yeah, it was ago, really, really awful. But thank you so much for the email. And it really just showed like the thing we're kind of learning about virtual races is, aside from any value added from the organiser itself, sometimes the extra things they give, 
they seem to be very much about what you make them and what meaning you can add to them. Because it was actually while I was editing the last episode and we were talking about this uh, run, I happened to glance at Facebook. Not that I was bored or anything, but I happened to glance at Facebook and I saw like five of my friends have signed up for this. Um, so I was like, okay, fair enough. And I've seen some people and, you know, every one of their runs or walks says Welsh Coast Path. Oh, this is where I am now. And they're really into it. And I'm like, okay, great. For them, that's great. Again, personally, I don't get it. It's really not for me. Um, and actually, I just spoke to someone who's cancelled this because I think he was up for it at first. But when he sat, sat back and thought about it, realised probably not for him either. But he did actually have to fight for that refund a little bit because it seems most virtual races don't actually allow you to cancel or transfer. And as we said before, those are often red mm. flags for a race that it's out for itself and not out for the runners. Yeah, virtual races as a concept in itself is not terrible you know as Jane talks about it can be um a way to achieve things that you may not be able to achieve you know at Mm -hmm. that actual place like the Welsh Coast Path you may not be able to run at that actual place because of logistics or whatever but you can still um sort of achieve that in a a virtual sense and I guess for some people it's who are more goal orientated Mm -hmm. it's nice to have those markers say oh I'm running the equivalent of the Welsh Mm -hmm. Coast Path and that gets them out and running in the morning but I think it, it some of the my issues around virtual races are things like the price and what you mm-hmm. get back for that so you know the amount of marathons that are going to virtual races because of covid yet they're still charging the same price and all this and you think well you're not having to close mm. the streets anymore and why are your price is still ridiculously expensive and like you said about in terms of getting refunds and all that i think that's my issue usually around virtual yeah races. just um be sure to know what you're signing up for check what your getting is good value and if that is going to work for you or if it's something you could do perhaps without it but still you know i said to back to jane there's plenty of time and there's plenty of coast path uh, i'll be waiting for uh, for a long time yet so you know don't give up on that you can still go and do it anytime as long as you don't go and do what i didn't do the swansea to port talbot because that bit was awful uh okay so amy what have you been up to we've had three days of hot weather so i assume we're going to complain about that yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously, need to get that out of the way. I've been reading all the Runners World articles, what to do in hot weather, and it still didn't help. It yeah. was still hot. Um, so where do you go from there? But yeah, it has been, I think it's been reaching like 30 yeah. degrees here, which for our many international listeners may not seem too hot. Oh, but that is UK, disastrous. That is, that is like hot. epic. Yeah, yeah. And, and even like, because I, I, I talked about, I think it was on the last podca- podcast, I talked about getting mm. up early and running. But I've been looking at the weather on my phone and seen that even at like 5am, it's like 24 degrees or yeah. something ridiculous. Like that's not, right. not, that's not good. Um, so actually I, I took a bit, I ran three times this week, but I ran on Monday. I took like, <laughs> and then I ran again Saturday, even when the weather got a bit better. Cause I just, I've just had enough of the hot weather. Like I just didn't feel like running. I'm not very good at heat at all. You know, I just thought I'm not going to. I'm not going to go out and run in it, basically. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. You boycotted it. Yeah, I boycotted it. But I will say, I've cha- changed up my schedule a bit. Because you know how Saturday or Sunday is normally mm. people's long run days, for obvious reason. You know, Sunday run day. I've started doing my long run on Mondays. Monday long run day? That's madness. I know, I know. But it still kind of rhymes and stuff, so it's okay. But while I've been, you know, working from home, for the foreseeable future, I'll be working from home as well. Um, I thought, yeah, let's switch it up a bit. Monday, run day. Monday, long run day. Is it just so for a few hours, you're top of the Strava Club leaderboard? It wasn't originally, but it will be now. (laughs) That's what it's all about. And then the final thing, my final thing to add for this week is, and it's something that happened today. 
I went for a run, just three miles, but I went for a run in normal socks. Amy, not running what socks. have we said? We've been very clear you on this. <laughs> they're not even normal socks, they're Christmas socks. <sighs> I'm not sure if that's They've got Christmas pudding on the side. Okay, well, that's more fun, but was it more fun for your feet? Didn't really notice the difference, to be honest. They're quite silky. They're quite nice. I wear them as part of my regular sock rotation, even okay. though they're Christmas, because they're quite nice and silky. Okay. You know, they're not too harsh, so I didn't really notice I was wearing them. <laughs> I'm glad you also have a regular sock rotation, and that was a normal thing for you to mention. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely other people have it, where they have, like, socks they wear on the regular, you know? And the other socks, like, push to the back. Like, socks that you know are going to match certain outfits or whatever and you know. see i'm just well same as you i'm working from home and i think i've worn basically the same pair of jeans for four months the same four t-shirts oh, yeah, yeah. and the same four pairs of socks just in rotation because they get washed put to the front of the drawer and then i just wear them again because i'm too lazy to pick anything else out are you are you sat at home wearing jeans yeah i know we've been over this amy yes <sighs> psychopaths yeah that's people it. working from home you shouldn't be in jeans unless you've got like a bloody zoom meeting at work where you need to stand up and show your crotch in which case you're probably not wearing jeans anyway like there's no need for you to be sat in jeans yeah if that's your job yeah you're not gonna be wearing trousers i'm i'm just business from the waist up me when i'm working from home i okay i don't want to know <laughs> um i've been started using i did mention the last time um my ankle's been a bit sore like as if it's as if i've got a twisted ankle but it's not it just aches like one afterwards so i started wearing an ankle strap and like the first time i did the hub i kind of it's one that you kind of wrap around your foot and your ankle and i did that first time i did that nice and tight to keep the ankle nice and straight and i ran for a mile and it was just like excruciatingly painful so i take my shoe off and loosen it right up and then it was fine it seems to have worked but now i've just run with it this morning and now my heel really hurts so it's just moving the pain around which is how i kind of get over injuries i just move them to another part of my body I do find that when I had my um, knee injury, I ran with a knee strap for a bit. But I think there's something about like restricting an area of movement that can then move the pain somewhere else. So I think it depends on what point of the injury you're in and whether, you know, you you are in that stage where you need to protect it. But at the same time, yeah, I think not moving correctly. I think you're always going to slightly, I think you're always going to slightly alter your running if you're you know, constricted by something and that just moves the injury around. Hi, Finley. <laughs> oh, don't even get me... To, do you want a Finley update? We've got to have a pub date. Do, do, people, do people want a Finley update? He's been the biggest shit over the last few days. <laughs> so during the day, he's normally, he's been absolutely fine, actually, during the day. He's been quite good. At night, as soon as we get into bed, because some people won't like to hear this, but he sleeps on the bed, he sleeps at the bottom of the bed. Um, as soon as we get into bed, he just barks us. Like, just barks, just goes completely mental. Um, and we tried just ignoring him and walking away, but he just continues to bark. So um, we posted on a Facebook group, which is always a good idea, like a, oh, yeah. a UK Corgi Facebook group about it. Um, and there was some good advice. They said it's probably because he wants to play, which we think mm. it is as well. We, you know, he wants to play um, and that's why he's barking. So you just got to sort of calm him down and give him some treats to make him relax a bit. Mm. Then the amount of people that are like, he's trying to show his dominance. <laughs> in the wild, that was one of the comments. In the wild, they try to be top dog. I think, when have you ever seen a wild fucking corgi? <laughs> they don't exist in the wild, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> 
it just makes me laugh those like the people who are like oh it's about dominance it's when they're in the the wild as as wolves it's like a domesticated dog has been bred alongside humans for thousands of years they're not fucking wolves it was a big thing for a while i think of caesar milan on tv did a lot of it and that's kind of been discredited now as well yeah it's been debunked because you know the domestic dog today is not trying to be dominant in that sense you know he's he wants to play i think he what he wants to do is he wants to play and he knows that if he barks at us he gets some sort of reaction i know because when we're reacting he jumps off the bed and runs around he wants to play at like 11 o'clock at night but yeah it just made me laugh like the comments he's trying to be dominant you need to shut him out and put him in the kitchen and all this give him a good kick he's yeah yeah it's just madness the the one about in the wild made me laugh though like can you imagine oh look what's in that field oh it's a flock of wild corgis <laughs> in the wild can you take him out for a run yet or is he a bit too young he's a bit too young you're supposed to wait i think it's two years uh really? until they're two years old right. and that's when their bones are fully developed but i'm not sure whether he is going to be able to run with me i'm hoping you will but because he's a herding breed he ta- if we if I run in any sense of the word, like wherever, move faster than a walking pace. Mm. He will try and nip at my heels. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, he grows I'm not out. Sure. People, people do run with their corgis. I have seen it, and they are capable. Obviously, they're like working dogs. They are capable of running and stamina and stuff. But whether he'll be able to run with me without trying to trip me over or bite me, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I should try and bring that slightly more into a running kind of thing there. Yeah, I'm sure people are interested anyway about my badly behaving dog. But I just want to add, I don't want to, I don't want any advice because I'm sick to death of people offering advice. <laughs> There's loads of half-written um, tweets have just now been deleted. And like, oh, no yeah, yeah. Like, oh, why don't you try, like, pinning him to the ground and putting a shot collar on him or something so he's not so dominant. <laughs> he learns to submit to you. <laughs> this is not official corgi advice. Yeah, but thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of the heat, actually, we should have said this before. Speaking of the heat, Ian Thompson at Cheney Headshot said, just in from a speed session, hashtag humidity is bullshit, even at 7am, I clocked someone else starting a run from my housing development as I ran back home. They had a loose vest, baggy shorts, running shoes, and a woolly hat, like Benny off Crossroads. And I just had to include a picture here of Benny off Crossroads for just our own benefit. It was just a man wearing a woolly hat. Okay, just to address the first bit, that is very strange to go out at 7am when it's really hot in normal running gear and a woolly hat. But Crossroads, that was a UK soap opera. It finished in 1988, Ian. I mean, that is a poor reference. <laughs> I'm glad you included a, an image because while I, of course, I have heard about Crossroads, I've I've never actually seen it as I was born in 1990. So, you know... <laughs> before my time you need to update your references in if that's the only person you could think of who's ever worn a woolly hat oh you could have just said woolly hat i know what a woolly hat is <laughs> i love it i i, I do like the, the the image of it like i am imagining that's what he looked exactly what he looked like in a vest <laughs> and a mop of hair <laughs> so to the last episode amy how do you feel now pinskin man is real and we've let it sink in is it has it become real for you yet they say, don't they? Never meet your heroes. Yeah. But I, I thought it increased my love for Pinskin Man. Yeah. He wasn't disappointing. I liked that he was just really blasé about it. So actually, the mystery continues a little bit. Yeah, never really explained. Like there were so many more questions there. Just when we asked the question why, 
It wasn't really a proper answer, was it? <laughs> well, I quite like yeah. there was a bit of history to it. Like there was someone that he, back yeah. in the day, that's fairly famous in his circles for doing it. So we thought, well, yeah, why not? But still, what why yeah. not is still not a good answer. No, no. And his Instagram is fantastic. It is, yes. He's, he's well up for, you know, taking on the role as Pin Skimmer. Yeah. So I think it was a really, it was a positive experience. I thought it was going to be disappointing or I don't know, but it was satisfactory in a way, but left you wanting more. Absolutely. And we had Rachel Bentley who said, listen this morning and it didn't disappoint. What a legend. Brilliant interview and the sound quality was fine. Thank you so much. I spent so fucking long tidying that up. (laughs) Uh, She also said, Ben Smith for a one man is lovely. Definitely get him on for a chat. We have, it's coming up. Rachel Bullmore. Says, I've got the podcast on, it's nearly finished, and wow, what a lovely, if not slightly quirky bloke he is. That's true. I'd have asked him if he uses safe I'd have asked him if he just uses safety pins and sterilized in brackets, question mark. Or if he'd consider transdermal piercings so he can just clip the number onto him at any time. She's thinking about it too much. To be honest Yeah, and Rachel, I think it's the whole I think it's part of his you know, um What's the word? Mystique. No, I think no, it's part no. of his pre-race ritual. Okay. You know, like some like some cultures have r- rituals around, um, oh. like things like piercings and, and pain yeah. and suffering and all those sort of things. I think that's part of his ritual because he knows whatever pain he feels in a race, this is just an assumption, he didn't tell me this, yeah. but whatever pain he feels in a race is nothing compared to jabbing a potentially unsterilized safety pin through your bare chest i guess it's like a little bit of yeah it's like a rich almost like a little mini sacrifice like i'm mm. i'm bleeding to the running gods to honor them yeah. so hopefully they'll make me get past checkpoint four this time yeah <laughs> but i think actually getting proper piercings so we can clip them i think that's thinking about it a little too much that's adding too much mark cockburn possibly coburn but i'm saying cockburn he said, listen to your podcast while running yesterday. I heard you talk about showers being bullshit and thinking how I've never had this issue. Little did I know, but the leggings I was wearing. Yes, I know it's summer, but I prefer them to shorts. Don't judge me. We'll come back to that. He said, the zip at the bottom was scraping my ankle. I found out about this when getting in the shower. Enough said. Love the podcast. Have just followed Amy on Strava. We'll be sure to give her some ironic likes. Okay, first of all, you're wearing leggings in summer. That's that's strange. Yeah, I leggings. Unless you particularly feel the cold, leggings is like for sub-zero temperatures. I always feel or sub-five degrees. You know, it's got to be cold. Leggings only come out when it gets really cold. Yeah, come on, Mike. You've probably got lovely legs. Let's all see them. And also, I think a little scrape on your ankle from the zip in the shower is nothing compared to your nipples or like your lower back being scraped. Or wait until you get your ball sack um, rubbing on the inside of your legs. And then you get that in the shower. That's that's when you'll feel it properly, not just a little ankle scrape. Well, maybe the leggings stop that from happening. Maybe they're particularly tight leggings. Mm-mm. Hold everything in place. In which case, you should be wearing some modesty shorts. Hopefully, yeah, he's got the courtesy shorts. I would hope so. Uh, have you noticed any more ironic likes recently on Strava? Oh, fuck off. Like, I am getting way more likes on Strava since talking about my running on this podcast and they're all ironic i see you there i see you guys liking my my runs and part of me wants to think oh you're just being you're being supportive because you know i'm, I'm getting back into things but i know most of them are ironic i see i see the comments sometimes as well you know that's what i'm saying on the better but keep liking it because you know i get that little shot of like 
adrenaline every time someone likes a social media post and it keeps me going through the day. Amy needs the dopamine in any way she can. Yeah. We're now going to go to the first half of our interview with Ben Smith. Um, Amy does open this and then she's a little quiet after that. It's not me dominating the interview like I usually do. It's just because your audio was crap and you couldn't hear anything. I could hardly hear anything. It was bizarre. It was everyone's voice was very, very low and then like all the way around. Like it was absolutely bizarre. It was a really weird form of distortion. And I was really disappointed because I was really looking forward to this interview. I could just about make out what he was saying, though. So when I'm asking questions, I can sort of hear the answer. But me and Zoom just aren't getting on at the moment. I mean, I use Zoom for work, but that's okay because I don't really need to know what's being said in those. I just sit and nod. But for this, it was a bit more disappointing that I couldn't properly hear. (laughs) So this may be the first ever episode that Amy listens back to. Who knows? (laughs) So I can actually hear what's being said. Okay, here's Ben. We're very pleased to be joined by Ben Smith, who is a runner and an extraordinary fundraiser and is on the cusp of yet another amazing challenge that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, But first of all, hello, Ben, and thanks for joining us. Hi, yeah, welcome. Thank you. So to start off with, could you just tell us a bit about yourself and give us a brief version of the original 401 challenge story? Yeah, so um, as as you said, um, I suppose a lot of people know me for for a challenge I did a couple of years ago, which was... um, I, I suppose I, I was the guy that thought it was a sane idea to you know get up every morning and go and run 26.2 miles for 401 days in a row because obviously that's what you do as a normal human being, you know. I was like many runners. Um, I, I didn't used to run. Um, you know, I wasn't very interested in sport growing up. Uh, in fact, I did everything I could to avoid it. And actually, it was when I was uh, 29 years old, um, I had a stroke. I was 17 and a half stone, a 40-a-day smoker. I wouldn't really look after myself at all. I wasn't very confident, wasn't very outgoing. And um, it was probably a year after um, I was introduced, sorry, a year after my stroke, I was introduced to running. And I just, I took to it. Uh, I was never any good at it, you know, I wasn't one of the fast guys or anything like that. That wasn't the kind of point of running for me. For me, it was about what it gave me in the sense of building my confidence and my self-esteem. And yeah, it was probably a couple of years after that, that I kind of, I used running as a way to open myself up to talk about the things that had happened to me when I was a young kid, um, to deal with the issues that I went through at school, through the bullying and everything that had affected me. And I remember coming out of my um, last counselling session and saying to myself, I need to use this experience for something good. Uh, and that's kind of where the 401 challenge came. Yeah, and that's because the rest is history. <laughs> I'm reading your book at the moment. I literally have your book right Oh, wow, fantastic. <laughs> All right, so, great. <laughs> Um, it is absolutely fantastic. I was um, raving about it on the last podcast, saying that it's a really nice balance between the running stuff, but also the more personal journey and how those two things connect. So it makes it a really, a really good read. I think I really appreciate that. Um, I think that was kind of what we were going for, uh, because I think to a lot of people, running isn't about being the best at it. And, you know, I sport isn't about being the best at it in my opinion you know obviously everybody has different reasons why they get involved in it but you look at the vast majority of people that run or do a form of exercise it's because of what it does for their mental health about how it supports them mm-hmm. and how it aids their life in a better way and I suppose that's what we kind of wanted to convey in the book that you know I'm just a normal bloke that just had a bit of a crazy idea and thousands of people got behind it and we couldn't have done what we'd done without them so 
So it was 401 marathons in 401 days consecutively was the challenge that you set yourself. Um, I think one of the obvious questions that I think well, Simon Ross asked us as well, why was it 401? Uh, well, basically, the, the reason why it was 401 was because the, the most that we could kind of identify uh, or verify, so to speak, prior to when I, what, what I did was um, somebody that had done one every day for a year. Uh, so we basically rounded it up to 400. Uh, and then I went off to America in, I think it was, what, 2016? Yeah, it was in the early to, early 2016. I went off to America to see if I could have a go at running you know, back-to-back marathons. So I went and ran seven marathons in seven days across seven U.S. states. You know, an amazing opportunity. I got to meet this guy called Larry Macon, who is a crazy Texan. He is an amazing guy in the running industry. Um, he has done the most consecutive, sorry, the most marathons in a lifetime. And I think you believe he holds a record for it, about 1,800. Um, and I remember telling him about what I was going to do, and he thought it was awesome. And he said, well, have you thought of a victory lap? And I kind of thought to myself, Huh, I like that idea. So we got home in the April and we added the one and that's how the 401 kind of came around, really. So there was no... I'd love to say that it's, you know, got it's synonymous to something or it's got... But it really wasn't. It was just a number really plucked out of the air. <laughs> so That's a good enough reason. Now, as Amy said, this is in the book and I know you've done all kinds of media on this because it was a few years ago now. So it's kind of well documented. And because this is running as BS, the things that we want to know about are a bit different. So... I know, first of all, there was an injury in there that actually stopped you. So it wasn't actually consecutive in the end, but there was quite a good reason for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. There were plenty of injuries, you know, and there were plenty of things that went wrong. I'm probably the most clumsiest person in the world. And mostly, most of the time, you know, I've literally just got in from training. And as I was saying to you before, I've fallen off my bike today, you know, but that's standard for me. It's comedy. And, you know, I've got no control over my feet sometimes or my whole body sometimes. And that's just the way it is. Uh, I spent half my time in the 401 on my ass somewhere. Um, but, yeah, the, the the biggest injury I had, unfortunately, was when I kind of, um, yeah, I, I, I broke my back at the bottom of my back, which was, uh, you know, not, not, not exactly what we wanted and not what was planned. And um, I'd run four marathons in that state without even knowing and then kind of obviously it came crashing down this was up in Aberdeen around day 285 uh, and yeah we had to kind of come off the road we had to assess the situation figure out what went wrong you know my dad and my other half Kyle you know they're big researchers they did a lot of work behind the scenes to figure out what had gone on I worked with um, an amazing physio in actually in Blackpool funnily enough uh, near where my uh, mother and father-in-law live uh, up in Preston and um, he got me back on my feet uh, and still you know still with the fractures and stuff like that but I was able to go back out on the road 10 days later wow. but obviously in the spirit of the 401 you know we weren't able to do it consecutively but we decided we still wanted to run a marathon every day within the 401 day um, period so we just added on miles every day and we decided to run 117 ultras <laughs> you know i didn't actually know that i didn't know that was the way you kind of got around it in the end yeah, yeah. so in fact we actually ran what worse. was it we ran 401 marathons in 391 days but it doesn't play well with the press <laughs> no partially with a broken back <laughs> yeah but it's the power of running though it's the power of the mind it's the power of people getting behind you and supporting you and it was almost a little bit like a movement and People used the project in so many different ways for so many different things. You know, we had over 13,500 people come and run with us. And what was it, 16, 
was it 1600 of those people ran further than they'd ever run before in their life you know they were aged between four years old and 82 you know we had a guy down in minehead who, who was what four weeks out of a hip replacement at the age of 82 came around a half marathon with me you yeah. know it's it's just it brought out the best i think in people and uh yeah i think that's what the legacy of the project was all about really well, speaking of the best of people, I ran with you in Cardiff on about day 30 or something like that. Oh, that was an interesting day because was that the day before I ended up in Swansea or was it the day after Swansea? I think it might have been before. I think right. you went Swansea afterwards. Yeah, because I remember the Swansea one. Yeah, because basically I went, I ran in Cardiff with Le Croupier. Le, yeah. Le Croupier, I can't, yeah, I can't pronounce yeah. it, sorry. Um, we ran up and down the river. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, and then I remember the cafe. Yeah, I remember that. But then I ended up driving to Swansea to the to near enough the Gower. It was torrential rain. I got absolutely soaked. I got a car parking ticket, you know, and it wasn't like the van was subtle, you know, it had a big 401 charitable thing on the side of it. Um, and then driving back, you know, I went to Cardiff and then drove back to Cardiff on the same night. Um, driving down that M4 past Port Talbot. The winds were hitting, I think, about 60, 70 miles an hour against the side of the van. It was on two wheels. I thought I was going to die. You know, God knows how I made it back out of Wales. And that was literally a drop in and drop out of Wales at the very beginning. Yeah, it's so, normal for Wales. It's fine. Wow. Well, yeah. It was a white knuckle ride. <laughs> what I quite liked about this style of marathon running you talk about as well is just, you know, stop things like stopping for lunch and stopping for a coffee or stopping for even a cider. I, yes. I think that's fantastic because... I've never ran a marathon, but I've ran an ultra marathon because mm. the great thing about ultra marathons is you stop and have something to eat, you stop and yes. have a bit of a walk, you know, you take it a bit easy. The idea of running a road marathon where I've got to try and make a certain time sounds horrific. So I think that was quite a nice thing. And that made it more accessible to people to join you, I'm assuming, if it was at that sort of nice pace and you were stopping very frequently. Yeah, I think this was, you know, we... we... We kept, I called it planned flexibility almost, you know, we, when we were planning the project, you know, we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it, but we knew what we wanted to get out of the project, you know, we knew the feel that we wanted the project to have. So we kind of put a basic structure in place as to where we were going to go for how many days, etc, all of that and how we were going to get there. And my dad and Kyle helped with that. But I suppose what the project really came to life, I think it was around about day 50, 51, where we started to realise actually that working with the running clubs that we were working with all around the UK, it was actually bringing this whole new level to to the project. And it was almost kind of, um, because there was press around it and the press was following the story right the way through, running clubs were getting involved and obviously you had a catchment of people that liked running and knew the area and were proud to show it off, etc., it brought people from the area that weren't necessarily part of that running club and introduced them both together. And I think the the fact that we didn't say it was about doing it fast, you know, for me it was about trying to just run up the marathon and recover at the same time so I could get up the following day and do it again. You know, it wasn't about running it in sub three hours. And in fact... Um, we actually said to a few people that did come and join us in some areas that wanted to go at breakneck speeds. We went, this isn't, you know, isn't us. You go off and do your own thing. It's fine. We'll we'll stick back here. But honestly, some of the people's faces when, you know, you stop halfway around a pub and they're like, and I'm like, right, I'm going to have something to eat. And they're like, so, so, oh, sorry, running. what? What? Yeah. You're stopping to eat? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to have a cider as well. And they're like, so you're doing what? 
But it is, it's that ultra mentality and it's bringing fun into it and bringing almost a sense of normality. And I think when you chip away at people's thoughts and reservations around something or their thoughts around, you know, I have to, when the gun goes off, start and when, you know, I can't stop running until I cross the finishing line. If you chip away at all of that, you almost come back to the purity of what running's about. And it's just about having fun. And that's hopefully what we did. I've got to say, I'm guilty of being one of those ones that when we did run with you, after like 10 minutes or so, we looked back and like, oh shit, he's right in the distance. Because <laughs> we, we started running and chatting and you're going at like 10k pace or training pace. And obviously you're running like a seven hour marathon pace. And we're like, oh yeah, sorry, we better stop and let him catch up again. Sorry. Yeah, well, look, I think at the end of the day, people learn, you know, as we went through. And it, you know, there's no judgment on people. You know, funnily enough, we were running on average, I think it was about five hours and 21 minutes a day. You know, the quickest was um, 3.23, which I think was my 398th marathon in Bournemouth. But that was just because it was an official one. And there were two cyclists by the side of me and I got a little bit competitive. Um, They were the the lead cyclists that had gone with the lead dude. And because Bournemouth was the only marathon I did twice during the project, I did it, I think it was day... 35 36 uh, but then I did it at the very end yeah they made me start the Bournemouth marathon which was great and then everyone had to pass through and then I got to set off so I'm there having a time to chop through people and everything and like, now I don't know if anybody you, you know people that are listening have probably done the Bournemouth marathon and I absolutely love the Bournemouth marathon but you run through the finishing line at mile 17 no. and then they run you up a hill and I just remember thinking to myself oh my god but you get to run on the beach and you get to run between the piers and it's amazing. And yeah, the crowds are epic. But yeah, I did get a bit competitive with the cyclists. So so before we move on to your next challenge, mm. um, could you just tell us quickly, just on the 401, who you were raising money for and how much money you raised? Yeah, so um, we were raising money in the last challenge, the, the one marathon every day for 401 days. We were raising money for uh, two charities, Kidscape and Stonewall. And the reason for them was um, you know, Stonewall for obvious reasons. Um, I, I struggled at school uh, because of my sexuality. And um, I wanted to give back because Stonewall had been a huge part of changing legislation, and changing rules in this country, which allow me to love the person who I want to love. And you know, I'm happy to say in November last year, I, I got married to, to my husband and you know I'm the happiest I've ever been. And a lot of that's down to the work that they've done behind the scenes. So giving back to them was quite important for me. Uh, but also um, bullying had had such a huge effect on my life and Kidscape being the one of the UK's biggest anti-bullying charities I wanted to support them uh, so we raised in our, I think our, our target was a quarter of a million pound which we were like we're never going to raise uh, but we ended up raising 332,000 which is just nuts just nice, yeah it all came all came kind of flying in on the last few days so yeah, we were very lucky. Well, yeah, congratulations to all of that. Um, uh, there's also a quick question from Jonathan Carter as well. He asked, how did it feel when your run streak was over? Because obviously you said running every day gives you a certain kind of power and a purpose. But then when it stops, how did that affect you? Yeah, um, do you know what? Because, you know, this had never really been done in the world before, you know, or, or if it had been done, you know, there weren't many people that had actually done it. There wasn't much evidence and there's not much out there in medical sciences to kind of tell you how you're going to react to it or what's going to happen. So you're kind of almost flying in the dark, really. 
Um, so we, we, you know, my brother was an ex-professional rugby player. He unfortunately left rugby because of injury. So we saw the effect on his mental health when he suddenly had to give up something he'd loved and trained for mm. his whole life. So we almost had a bit of an education there in the sense of something like this is going to happen. So let's cool down. This was the plan. The plan was to do a month's worth of back-to-back half marathons, followed by a month's worth of back-to-back 10Ks, 5Ks, etc. But honestly, I lasted about three days. Um, It wasn't, you know, physically I could do it. It was mentally. Mentally, I'd I'd hit my goal. I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve. And actually, that sense of purpose wasn't there anymore. So to go out and run three miles, it just seemed pointless to me. And actually, something that I'd used quite seriously in my life to support me from my mental health and to support me in days when if my brain was all over the place I'd go out and put my trainers on and it would sort it out I call it my filing time um that wasn't there anymore and actually I I had to grieve it and and I, I became quite negative towards running afterwards um but you know a lot of a lot of that came down to the fact that uh I I lost my purpose I got quite severely depressed uh, I ended up on antidepressants. I suffered from insomnia for about three months. My heart would would beat at around about 180 beats a minute, just like that, because my body was so used to burning adrenaline. There were all these kind of physiological effects that would then affect my mental side of things. You know, my my other half, he, you know, quite openly commented on the fact that he thought he'd get the old Ben back, but actually he didn't. He got a completely different Ben back, and you know, he had to kind of accept that. But thankfully, I have an amazing family and I have amazing friends and the running community has always been very good to me and they got behind me and supported me. And, you know, we developed the 401 Foundation, our mental health charity, and that's become the lifeblood and the purpose of everything that we do now. And that spurred us on. And this is this is, you know, the next challenge is is all based around that. So. And we'll be back with Ben later to talk about the future challenge. I actually found a load of photos and video from his first visit to Cardiff when I ran with him. And that was back on November 15th, 2015. So I shall post those up on our socials. Uh, if you just look for us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, ben did do a selfie. I remember he did a selfie with every single person that ran with him. But because his Facebook page has all them all... But they're all just mobile uploads, and there is 15,000 photos there. And I cannot be bothered to scroll back through five years of photos to find that selfie. God, that's like me when I was I ran Cardiff Bay 10K, and there was no photos existing connected to my number. So I went through all the photos, desperate to just prove, in the end, to myself that I was there, because I was beginning to doubt it. So. A big thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon. A reminder for anyone who's thinking about it, $1 gets you a shout-out at the end. $5 is a super extra shout-out and a bit of social media love. $12 gets you a buff, and $30 is 30 seconds of advertising on two episodes to talk about whatever you want. And here are some of those people now with some of their super extra shout-outs. First up, the jagged and powerful Julia Page, the holistic and plausible Hugh Phillips, the jagged and jittery Jay, the material and ludicrous Matt Leese, the modern yet whimsical Maria Wicks, the easy but halting Erica Harris, the minifold and gamey Matt Garner, the kind-hearted and slim Kirk Shepherd, the cheap and gorgeous Clark Gilmore, the vacuous and dynamic Victoria Dick, the needy and gruesome Nikki Genders, the broad but scrawny Brian Simpson, the ready and sudden Rob Smith, the erratic and lewd Elliot Line, and the 
efficient and rustic Simon Ross. Thank you all very much for supporting the podcast. Moving on to the tweets. They're two jaggeds oh. then. Was that? I just wanted to highlight where they're two jaggeds. Yeah, the jagged and powerful Julia Page and the jagged and jittery Jay. That was very lazy of me this week. I'm very sorry. God, people are paying money for this. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the tweets. Let's ignore that and move on to the tweets. <laughs> so somebody has submitted an anonymous tweet. And it says, hi, Stuart and Amy, saw this and thought of you. Looks like the most uncomfortable piece of over-engineering I've ever seen. It's a phone holder for running. And they also say, can I submit this anonymously? As I don't want to be seen as slagging off any particular company. Thanks. And I've seen these before, actually. So it's the, um, it's by Free Train. And it looks like a, you know what it looks like? It looks like a weighted vest. You know those weighted vests you see? Yeah. Like a slim version, like a, a, a slim down version of that. But you, by the looks of it, put your phone in the front of it. So basically over your, your chest. And I, I'm, sure I've, I'm sure I've seen people running in these. Yeah, so it's, there's shoulder straps yeah, yeah, yeah. and a waist strap. And the phone goes in. The, and it's like three straps just for holding a phone. And it seems like way too much. It seems bizarre. Like, I don't really understand why <laughs> why you'd want to add on all that stuff especially in the summer because i don't like wearing a backpack in the summer when i've got to wear a backpack for like you know um a running backpack for like my drink and so on so i can't imagine wearing this just for my phone <laughs> yeah i mean this is like instead of a waistband or an armband this is going right over well the, you know the image they've got there is a woman with a sports bra and then that's going over the top of the sports bra again. So she's just got all of this stuff. And it's just to have a phone. And I think you can unclip the top. And the phone kind of flips down but stays in like a waterproof little pouch thing. So you can okay. look at your phone. And it says like, oh, you can look at your phone without wasting any valuable seconds. I'm like, you just look <laughs> at your phone. Just stop. Come on. It doesn't. If you're on a training run, who gives a shit? Yeah, I agree. It seems really over-engineered and, and a bit pointless. I, I do wonder what their... Um, what the uptake of this is, whether people are getting into it. I'm sure I've seen someone running in one, but it might have been a weighted vest because it does look like a weighted vest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw one a few days after this was sent. Mm. But it could be just because I'm noticing them now, but also because I looked at it, now I'm getting bloody advertised them all the time on Facebook. Yeah. So thanks a lot for that. I did also yeah. like how they said um, they want to do this anonymously so they're not slagging off a company. Just got to keep those uh, potential sponsorship opportunities. You never know. <laughs> yeah, free train. If you want to send us one of these, don't bother. <laughs> no no that's fine um another weird thing here emma foy at xeno casino obviously has no problem with uh slag enough company she says are these bullshit i can't decide and again this is something called my notch and again i think this is going to be very much like virtual runs it's a thing that i absolutely do not get but i'm sure some people can put a lot of meaning to basically it's a little kind of woven bracelet that you can add rings to and like you can get a ring for like says 26.2 or half marathon or 5k or 10k or i think they can put the names of like any races on there as well and so you can carry them around because they're things you've achieved and i can i can see how some people would like that just to remind them of their successes and things that they they're proud of but it's still very strange i think it's a good idea in the sense that there is definitely a part of the running community that would be really into that sort of thing mm. so i guess that's who they're speaking to but no i don't quite get that sort of thing i guess it's like the stickers that people sometimes put on their car i think it's more like an american thing where it says like 
you know, half marathon or whatever, or the mileage and things like that. I think it's like that, but on your wrist. <laughs> yeah, so you'd have to carry it around and only you can see it. So you can't even show off. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very individual thing again. Mm. Brian Simpson at Dragal4 says, As I was finishing today's long run, I thought my left sock was moving around a bit more than usual, but put it down to the few remaining puddles or sweat. <laughs> Got home to see... My sock looked like this. Toenails are definitely BS, especially when cutting adjacent toes. That There's a lot of blood on that sock. Yeah, it looks like his little toe, I think you said in a, another tweet later, his little toe, just a little bit of the nail was cutting into the one next to it. And yeah, a decent amount of blood is covering a couple of toes there on his sock. I was hoping we'd get a shot of the toe itself, but that didn't happen. I get that quite often. And it's the most annoying thing, because if anyone's ever had it before and you like purposely cut the little toenail try and smooth it out but it still happens and you're like what more do you need me to do just take it off completely yeah exactly just rip the thing off yeah i've never had i don't think i've ever had really bleeding toes my little toes do tuck underneath the fourth toes Mm. so i can get some really bad blisters on long wet runs so i've had to like plaster those up in advance but i've never had blood i'm almost a little disappointed I don't tend to get them running. It's more like when I'm just walking around now and then if my toenails need cutting. That's nice. I hope no one's eating while they listen to this. Uh, but thanks, Brian. That is that is a proper BS tweet. That's the kind of thing. That is our bread and butter kind of tweet this. Yeah, They're the definitely. kind of things we live for. Nice hardwood floors as well. That is a nice floor, yeah. Good for you. VBL1986 says, It's petty and a waste of time, but I genuinely love looking up the elapsed time on other people's Strava. Just randomers as well. So many Facebook running groups, so little time. Oh, there's so much time. I've got so much time for pettiness. I think pettiness is way underrated. Mm, Definitely. So the elapsed time is because I don't really look into this. It's, you know, without taking in the pauses and so on. Because I think Strava automatically gets rid of like say if you wait by the side of the road to cross the road i think it takes yeah. that off your overall time but then it's if you've got auto time. pause yeah if you've got auto pause yeah. on or if you stop the watch it'll just yeah. show the time on the watch but Moving, then yeah if you look into it now especially on the app you can see the total elapsed time which is like oh, where the okay. ross barkley 5k thing came from so when people are like oh look at my 20 minute 5k you can look and they actually did 28 minutes because they took a couple of breaks that is yeah. fun to be fair yeah we've had an email from morena billum uh, she says, running is bullshit has eased me into the hellhole which is running for enjoyment. It has also enlightened me to concepts such as Matcha Tea, a hella big win, and Strava Wankers on Twitter. I'm glad we're here to educate and entertain. Mm-hmm. However, my running experience so far has also opened my eyes to another side of Strava I wasn't expecting. I'm very competitive, and I've occasionally noticed that I clock or pace watch to push myself to run a further weekly distance just to compare myself to other athletes. Have either of you experienced this or any other listeners? I'd be interested to know. P.S. Is it bad that my first reaction to finding a blood blister was to want to take a photo to send it to you and then realise no one else on this planet would want to see that on their Twitter feed? Um, I'll address the last thing first. You should send us the blood blister. People do want to see it. Send it to us. We will tweet it. It'll be great. By people, just Stuart wants to see it. No one else wants to see it. I bet other people do. (laughs) Uh, have you ever been competitive on Strava, Amy? I'm going to guess probably not. No, nah, I'm not too bothered. Um, I'm only competitive if I feel like I'm already winning. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, 
So yeah, if if I notice that I'm like top of the almost top of the leaderboard for say weekly mileage or whatever in the club or something like that, um, then I will push myself. I would I would be the person that goes out and runs just like two more miles to to make sure I'm top. But otherwise, I'm, I don't really pay that much attention to what other people are doing. If I'm honest, um, as I've mentioned before, I do like nice round numbers on Strava though. I think if mm-hmm. I wasn't on Strava, that would be different. But I just for myself, if I'm at you know, um, 2.7 miles, I have to run the extra to make it three, you know? So, oh no. So with myself, I do like to ask more because I can look and see some nice round numbers, but now with other people, I'm not that bothered. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that fussed. This is why it took me a long while to get a proper running watch. Cause I'd rather just not look at my, any of my stats. I'll look at the crap out of them afterwards and do all kinds of things. But while I'm running, I'd really rather not look at it. Cause Again, I think comparing yourself to others whilst training is a bit pointless. I think, you know, during a race, obviously, you've got more milestones and more people you want to beat. But I think in training, I don't think it really matters. And I think on a serious note, you do have to just be a little careful with that, especially if you know you're competitive or potentially a little obsessive. I think you just have to be a little careful and just keep an eye on how much you're looking at it and how much you're changing your behavior to try and do something different. I think that's just something to keep a little eye on. Mm, Definitely. And now the second half of our interview with Ben Smith, where we hear a little bit more about what the future holds. So the next challenge now is the USA challenge. Yes. (laughs) What is that and why on earth? Are you doing this? Yeah, I don't know. Probably because you've I'm... raised your money, you can stay at home now. Well, yeah, probably just stupid, aren't I? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I think um, it kind of it kind of ties into um, what I was saying before about the foundation. So we we set up the mental health foundation, and our objectives of the mental health foundation are to support community projects all around the UK um, with funding. So they can build confidence and self-esteem, but also tackle issues around mental health and self-development. You know, everything that's kind of I've had personal experience from before in the past that I can relate to. So and, and most of the time projects that don't really get a lot of funding. So that that's who we're aimed at. Um, but our charity needs money. It needs funding. It needs you know money to be able to give away and build the infrastructure around the charity to make sure it's sustainable. Um, and the way we thought of doing it was to do another challenge. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I came up with this harebrained, crazy idea of taking it across the pond. Um, but instead of just just having running, because I kind of thought to myself, well, I've you know I've run ten and a half thousand miles from you know London to Sydney, near enough that you know, I, running it's across easy. America, it, you know, really, it wouldn't people wouldn't necessarily probably get behind that because it's a been done before, and actually, I wouldn't be doing it based on speed. So, what could we do? Um, so we decided to introduce cycling, and actually, funnily enough, that was my other half's idea. So we decided we're going to run a marathon in every one of the 50 US states. So that's starting in Maine in the northeast of the country and working our way throughout all the states, including Hawaii and Alaska, finishing in Hawaii. We're going to do it in 104 days, but we're going to cycle between them. So it's 14,000 miles in 104 days. Uh, it's a huge task. Like, you know, it's the terrain is insane. We think we climb the equivalent of 19 Mount Everests, you know, burning around 10, 11,000 calories a day. You know, you can imagine the heat and the different weather conditions from northern Maine all the way into, you know, the Arizona desert. You know, we're going through prime tornado and hurricane season when we're going through the lights of Kansas. 
wildfire season in Boston, the bears in Montana. You know, it's just, yeah. But it's an adventure. And this, for me, is what sport encompasses. And it's about bringing all the things we learned from the last project, instilling in this in, the, in this new one, to raise half a million pounds for the 401 Foundation so that we can help sustain it for the next 10 years. That's the aim. When is this supposed to start? Has sort of the pandemic put a delay on this? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, um, there, you know, we were toying on whether or not to kind of postpone it to next year anyway, because we hadn't quite reached our operational funding target. Because as you can imagine, these types of projects cost cost a lot of money to put on. And we are we put together a volunteer team that we're going to be taking out with us. You know, we're doing... <laughs> Not that we didn't do the last one properly, but we learned a lot from the last one that we can reintroduce to this one to make sure it is successful. Um, you know, we've got objectives like, raise, you know, inspiring a million children. We've got a quarter of a million children on a well-being programme at the moment that when they go back in September, you know, it's a great time, obviously, to, to have that programme in place with everything that's going on. There's so many strands to this project that it has to be organised properly. Um, and we haven't quite hit those operational targets. But then COVID-19 hit. And we were a bit like, yeah, we were supposed to go out on the 1st of July, which is what, in seven days, seven, eight days. That's when we were supposed, we actually were due, well, weirdly enough, we were supposed to fly today. <laughs> How strange is that? Oh, I hadn't realised. Um, we were supposed to fly to Boston today and then work our way up to Augusta in Maine uh, to start on the 1st of July. But we've postponed it. We've moved it to next year. It will take place on the 1st of July uh, obviously, if, you know, America is able to, you know, sustain us being out there because of, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But, yeah, we're planning for next year. Uh, it's gutting, but... So what sort of what sort of training are you doing at the moment, then? It, I'm not in no way clued in in terms of professional athletes or anything like that. So in terms of training cycles, when do, will you start training for next year? Is it starting now or have you got a particular plan for how it's going to go? <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what's so funny when you say professional athlete? That ain't me. <laughs> you know, that isn't me. <laughs> I've literally just got back in from a bike ride today and downed a can of cider. You know, this is my training. <laughs> but, you know, yes, yes, there is going to be a bigger impact on my body in this in this next one. And we're actually taking a team of people with me to ensure that I'm kept safe and well. We've got uh, working with Hartbury University to um, uh, test me every single day. So it means we're actually going to create some data off the back of this so that, you know, people aren't going to be lost when they go off and do this type of stuff. The training side of things, it's really just for me at the moment, getting my strength there. So making sure the strength is in my legs, making sure that um, I'm building that up, getting out on the bike and really kind of becoming accustomed to the way the bike feels. You know, I've got the running down, you know, that's something my body's very used to. Um, it can get up, it can run a marathon, probably not right now, you know, but I can get it to that point a lot easier than getting myself to a cycling of 130 miles a day. Uh, so I'm concentrating more on the bike. Um, I tend to do around about 200 to 300 miles a week on the bike. The weather's obviously supported me with that recently. And um, yeah, I'm loving it. I feel a lot stronger, feel a lot better. Um, but yeah, I can't wait until lockdown's over to get back yeah. to kind of properly in the gym you know, strength and conditioning training. I do CrossFit, so you know, there's that that helps me with with all all of the the strength and conditioning side of things. But yeah, it's um, definitely been a challenge recently. 
Um, so in the run up to that, obviously, you've got an extra year now, an extra year to do fundraising and more awareness and more prep. Is there anything happening in that meantime that people can get involved with to help you out? Yeah. Or just generally, how can people find out about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, the, the the ways that people can find out about what we're doing is they can, you know, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You've got, you can see, find us at the 401 Challenge. Um, but, you know, what, what I would say is if you want to find more specific stuff out about the USA Challenge, if you just go to theusachallenge.co.uk, um, the, you know, all the information about the USA Challenge is on that actual website. There's a little red button or there will be a little red button on the 1st of July uh, that will be uh, that will say go virtual. We've got a number of virtual challenges launching uh, that are all linked to the official route of America. We've got 191 people taking part in a run and ride across America at the moment, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, but you're going to be able to do different stage missions and stuff like that. And they all end on the 12th of October, which actually coincides with the last day that I crossed the finishing line in Hawaii. So, yeah, please go to the website or check us out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, the 401 Challenge. And just, yeah, if you think you can help, if you know somebody in the States on the route that might be able to put up uh, five sweaty individuals on a night time to help us save a bit of money, you know, please get in touch. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all of that. Um, Our final question we ask all our guests, and I think we forgot to prompt you for it, is what is the most bullshit thing about running? The most bullshit thing about running? Um... Do you know? Do you know what? Uh, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna chuck myself under a bus here. But this, excuse my French, but the Strava wankers. That's the yes. bullshit thing about running. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I get, I get the fact that you know, running is different for everybody. I really do. But don't impress the fact that onto someone else of how good you are at something. <laughs> you know, we're all different, and we all enjoy it in different ways. I just get really annoyed with them. I just unfollow them and I block them, to be honest with you. Yeah. But they've got a really good feature, I think, that's just come on Strava now, haven't they, where it actually shows you the total elapsed time. time. So you see where they stop for 20 minutes to have a break. Yeah, so that that's quite funny. <laughs> so this is coming from the man who did 400 marathons in uh, 400 days. <laughs> don't like people showing off. Oh, well, I don't think I showed off. I think I just <laughs> I went and had a great time and had an adventure and met loads of amazing people. Yeah. Well, that's great well thank you so much for joining us um wish you good luck for next year now i guess but we will keep an eye on it and we'll keep encouraging people to support you in the meantime brilliant thanks a lot guys nice to chat thank with you, you very much that is a monster of a challenge this new american one um one question we didn't have time to ask but was kind of answered uh, in the first section of this uh, i was going to ask you know would you recommend these types of challenges to others i'm always interested to hear Uh, people have done these ridiculous things if they think it's a good thing on reflection uh, whether other people should and i think we kind of got that answer from him in the first section of you really can't go into this lightly i mean he ended up on antidepressants uh, and didn't run for months and that's i mean it's you know a potentially life-changing thing and it's not necessarily always going to be a positive thing after you finish this you know you could potentially really injure yourself mentally it could really affect you as well so i think it's incredibly impressive and i think having adventures i think that was a great word that he said having adventures is a good thing but you really have to be so careful yeah i agree often when you hear about these challenges people come back and say oh it changed my life and it often talked about in more positive ways but i think ben was really honest with saying i came back Mm. a different person and his body was just running on adrenaline and stuff and, and all those issues he had with his mental health afterwards um which often people don't think about because the story you often hear in the media about people who do these challenges is that 
yeah, it was a really positive thing. And I guess sometimes because they're doing it for charity, they don't want to say that actually afterwards I felt a bit shit and I felt worse yeah. than when I went into it. So, you know. Yeah. yeah, he did the thing, raised the money and the money helped people. And that's kind of the end of the story. But yeah, obviously his yeah. life carries on. But I love now from all this, now he's got basically a company, you know, this 401 Foundation employs people to give out money to, you know, really kind of good little projects that, as he said, otherwise potentially wouldn't get funded. Just little bits of money here and there, which can make a real difference to little community groups. So he's done so much and it's going to be another year, unfortunately, before uh, he heads out to America. But there's plenty of time to do a lot more prep and a lot more fundraising. So, yeah, we would love to keep an eye on that. Yeah, and like I said last week, I really recommend getting his book. It's fantastic. It's really well written. It's a really good read. So pop over to Amazon or your chosen bookstore um, and pick it up because, yeah, I really recommend it. Cool. Uh, It's time to move on to... It's a bullshit running news. Bullshit running news. Bullshit running news. Okay. Ah, so the Hamburg Marathon will go ahead on September 13th, but will include a whole host of social distancing rules, of course. 10,000 runners in the mass race and the elite field will have to put up with the following. So firstly, starting in batches of 1,000 over a two-hour window... Jesus. Separated groups in the expo. Being provided with a tubeless scarf with a breathing filter. That could what we could start calling our um our bus a tubeless scarf with a breathing filter. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um uh, so this has to be worn at the expo and then immediately worn when you cross the finish line but not during the race. And there will be no open drinks or individual food offerings um in the finish area. Instead all participants will receive a refueling package. Yeah, I mean, what, a refueling package? Is that just they, food or drink in a box? Are they going to provide drinks around the on the in the race? Are they going to provide like gels and open drinks in the race itself? I, I guess they're going to have to if it's a if it's a marathon. Yeah, they can, surely yeah. they're going to have to. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. whether they're open or I suppose all the um, marshals will be wearing gloves and masks mm-hmm. and will be sanitizing those regularly but it just seems is this actually worth it i mean the expo sounds like a massive ball ache everyone's really separated and you're queued in it's starting in a a batch of a thousand runners and then it's 10 minutes before the next one and over two hours by the time you start the elite field could have finished an hour ago and you haven't even started yet no one's going to be on the course spectating you would think or if they are there's going to be very few I mean, can they just go with what everyone else has done and just cancel or just postpone? If I was in the mass race, I wouldn't bother with this. It sounds like a complete faff. And also thinking about um, international visitors, like in terms of what are going to be the regulations coming over to Hamburg. And and it's probably going to differ per country and things like that. So it might be okay for people from the UK, but people from America might be more difficult. Um, I could understand why elites might want to get started with running again because obviously Mm. that might be part of their career and and so on um but as a if i was in the mass race i really wouldn't bother it sounds like such a faff yeah i mean i'm still down to do uh the world half marathon championships which is only about three or four weeks after this in poland Mm. and i think they've said by the end of august they'll let us know if it's going to go ahead and i suspect if this does go ahead or if they're still planning on doing it they may well do the same because i think poland is a more advanced stage than us you know they've they locked down a lot earlier 
Um, so that may go ahead, but I, I still really don't know what to think about it. I mean, if I can get full refunds and everything, probably will. Yeah, I think any plans for stuff to do this winter, I, I wouldn't plan anything for this winter just because I yeah. think it's so uncertain at the moment. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I'm not sure if this actually seems worth it, but it seems to be one of the only marathons that's actually going on. Everyone else has cancelled. Anyway, Trail Runner magazine had a really good article entitled Transgender Athlete Rights Are Human Rights, which took a good long look at that very subject. And I just actually really enjoyed looking at the issue from a human rights lens. It's like, first and foremost, let's consider the human rights of transgender athletes and make that a starting point which i think is a really really interesting angle um it is way too detailed for us to go into here uh, so i do really recommend you having a look at the show notes on our website for that link we will post it on social media during the week as well um it's interesting to note the final line of the article was thank you for reading and caring we appreciate your time and understanding despite that as you might expect the comments were an absolute dumpster fire uh it was i Please don't, please don't read them. I don't think we can quite get into it because it's, it's it's a really beefy article. Yeah, I had a look, I had a quick look at the comments, and that, luckily some of the good ones have been pushed up to the top now. Um, yeah. I think it's like a voting system kind of thing, and and a lot of the ones near the top are quite supportive. But it's funny, like a lot of the negative ones, like don't bring politics into running and all this. It's like politics is everywhere. Like, what do you want to yeah. do? Bring politics into running? Like, there's lots of people just... who say I've cancelled my subscription because of this article. They're like, okay, fuck off then. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Or like a, a liberal agenda. It's like it's nothing to do with a liberal agenda. It's about, nah. like you say, human rights. Human right. Well, I guess some for some people, human rights are a liberal agenda. You know. <laughs> yeah, but also, if you disagree with that, okay, find a reason to disagree with it and argue it and write, you know, five thousand words like this guy has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they just want to say, well, don't bring politics into running i don't read this magazine for politics blah 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 it's like right okay then read a different magazine then bye bye (laughs) well i did like on twitter actually the author i think it was david roche um a lot of people obviously were replying to it and even like some of the shitty replies he was replying back Mm. to them saying oh thanks for your input it's really valuable i don't quite agree with this i think this as you can see in the Mm. article but thank you for your feedback and he was really really positive so Mm. i think that that stops people criticizing then if you can be really positive back to someone it stops them being negative which i like yeah, exactly. And then those people, I, I, I'm a believer that those people should be able to voice their opinions because then mm-hmm. it puts it out in the open and then you can get people debating back and you can sort of contextualise those opinions and see that most of them are complete shit. <laughs> yeah, but as ever, don't be a dick about it. Yeah, it's like a litmus test for arseholes. You can sort of find out who to avoid and not to talk to, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Finally, we have something from uh, one of our club members, actually. So the run on Strava is entitled Boogie Run and Toddle. And she says, Why does every middle-aged man feel the need to comment when I run while pushing a buggy? No, you cannot have a lift. No, I don't need to smile. Oh, God. Yes, it can be hard work. And yes, I am exercising and looking after my kid at the same time. Yes, I am exhausted, but still running because it keeps me sane and it's something I can do for myself while my son gets some fresh air. Now, fuck off and mind your own business. Rant over. Good rant. Oh, God. It, it, well, the sort of, I'm sure the sort of middle-aged men that we're asking do look like giant babies, you know? <laughs> you can just imagine yeah, the picture I have in my head of you know the, the multiple men that have told me to like smile or keep going and all those really helpful advice yeah i think that there's a couple of things here like 
I think if it's other runners and they're yeah. maybe making a bit of a joke in a friendly way, I mean, obviously, kind of Bernie gets this probably a lot more um, and might not be as tolerant, but I think that's kind of okay because that's just a runner trying to relate to you and saying yeah, like, yeah. oh, that, oh, I could do with a lift because they're tired or, oh, has that got an yeah, engine yeah. in it? That must be easy. You know, that's just kind of a bit of running bands as I kind of, yeah. I'm kind of a, a bit guilty of that. I do end up running with people mm-hmm. random sometimes and making shit jokes to them. Mm-hmm. But it's just those ones in cars and the ones walking or the ones standing as you go past, just making shitty comments for the point of it. And like, yeah, you need to smile. Oh, is that hard work? And it's just fuck off. So I tweeted it and saying like, don't be these guys and don't let these guys be these guys. If you hear it, if you see it, please kind of, if you feel you need to step in, you should do so. Yeah, it's patronising as fuck. Like, I find the best way to think about these things is to say, right, if it was a bloke running with a kid in a push, in a in a buggy, would they say the same thing? No, probably not. But well, I, actually, I few, uh, there was a few on Twitter that said they do get this a similar kind of shitty thing. Oh, okay. That's I think it's just people. I think a lot of it's just people's shitty jokes. They feel like I have to make a joke, yeah. but yeah, they've yeah. heard it before, so you know. Yeah, you don't need to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we, I, I did just send her a message. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, content, thanks, can I have this? Yeah. So I, I did ask. Turn your shitty experience round into quality content. Oh, yes, for us. Quality may vary. So, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Fuck all. Usual. You? Same, fuck all. Cool. Oh, I was going to say one other thing. Um, if people are, I know especially people are again a bit sick of running on their own and people saying they're losing the running mojo and all that. Just, I think so many people, I, I can scroll through Strava and not see names. I know exactly who each run is because people that run the same routes all the time, just go out of your door and turn the other direction. When you get to the end of the road, turn the other way. Even if it's up and down some residential streets, run somewhere different. Just try it. Just give it a go. I just see so many people running in the same places all the time. and I just, I can't handle it. It would drive me mad. I mean, I guess other people must be able to tolerate it, but it's probably why you're bored of running it because you're running through the same park three times a week. Or maybe when we're allowed to as well in Wales, pop in the car, drive somewhere different for a run. God, can you imagine? I know. Well, that is... I have no idea what's happening at the moment in terms of where we are because things change so quickly, but I think we're going to be soon allowed to drive further than five miles. Which would be nice. Oh, the other night uh, we drove two and a half miles to the river to do some swimming, and it was like, oh my god, we're going somewhere in a car that's not a shop. It was that's amazing. Crazy. Well, I, I, I ran an out and back sort of, sort of thing, but I, I ran five miles out and I turned around. Good for you. I, I thought I, once I step over this line, you know, Mark Drakeford will be right after you. He would. He'd be thundering down the hill, going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I can't imagine him shouting. Bless him. And finally, a final shout out to our Patreon $1 donors. So, Matt, Angela, Harry, Elizabeth, John, Steph, Rich, Len, Larry, Charlie, Chris, Matt, Moena, Ben, Matt, Jonathan, Victoria, Louise, and Anthony. Hooray. Hooray. When he took a deep breath in, I did as well. I was like, I don't know why I need to hold my breath. <laughs> I just felt like I had to for some reason. So if you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit www.runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, our merch store, and our social medias. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye! That was the mouse that lives under my desk. seen a 
wild fucking corgi. They don't exist in the wild, Karen. 